0: Now we're going to turn to this morning's scripture reading. I invite you to open your heart and listen for God's voice as Chris Crowder shares with us this morning's reading from the Hebrew scriptures, a reading from the book of Numbers.
1: Good morning. Today's scripture lesson is from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edom, but the people became impatient on the way. The people spoke against God and against Moses, why have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent poisonous serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord to take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it upon a pole. And whenever a serpent bit someone, that person would look at, a, at the serpent of bronze and live. The word of God for the people of God.
0: So each Wednesday at noon on Facebook and on YouTube, we post a midweek devotion. And that midweek devotion is a way for us to reconnect with God and to reconnect with our church family in the middle of the week. And over the last few months of this pandemic, we've been finding inspiration for many of those midweek devotions in the symbols and the artwork of the stained glass windows at Court Street United Methodist Church. And here at the church, we have a lot of beautiful stained glass in the sanctuary and here in the prayer chapel. This week I was in the prayer chapel and I was looking at the windows. I was searching for inspiration for an upcoming midweek devotion. When I noticed this strange symbol in one of the windows here in the prayer chapel. Here in one of the windows, we can see the image of two serpents wrapped around a sort of a pole. At the top of the pole, there's a a pair of wings. Now this image appears in a window that is inspired by the words of Jesus. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And this window is filled with images and symbols of healing and mercy. In the top portion of the window, we find the image of Jesus healing the ear of a man who has been wounded in a conflict. And down at the bottom of the window, we find all of these images of healing that are familiar from our lives here in Flint in the modern world. On the left side of the window, you can see, if you look closely, a sort of a nurse's cap that nurses used to wear in hospitals. On the right side of the window, you can see a a stethoscope, and then there, right in the middle of the window is this strange symbol with these two serpents wrapped around a pole. As I was looking at this window, I realized that I've seen this symbol before, you probably have too, but I didn't know the story behind this symbol. And so I decided to do a little bit of research. I decided to look up the backstory behind this symbol of the two serpents wrapped around a pole to see if maybe it was inspiring or interesting enough to use in an upcoming Wednesday midweek devotion. As I was researching, the story that I uncovered and the things that I learned were so interesting that I decided not to wait until a Wednesday to to share these things with you. I decided that this Sunday would be a good time to share with you some of the things I learned, the stories I found as I was researching this symbol. So here's what I learned. I learned that since ancient times, for thousands of years, a symbol called the Rod of Asclepius has been a symbol of healing and medicine. Asclepius was the Greek god of healing. And in the ancient world, if you were a Greek person living in the ancient world, then there were temples to the god Asclepius all over the place. In every city, there would have been a temple of the god Asclepius. And those temples would have been the closest thing you ever could have experienced to a modern hospital in the ancient world. People who were sick, people who were suffering from illness would go to these temples of Asclepius And they would make a sacrifice to Asclepius. They would make an offering. They would talk to the priests. And the priests in the temple were just about the closest thing the ancient world had to doctors. The priests would would give you a diagnosis. And they would give you a prescription. And in these temples to the god Asclepius, there were even dormitories. And so you could stay there at the temple just in the same way that you would stay at a hospital these days. You could stay there while you were being treated and until you were well enough to go. But then again, you might not want to stay at the temple dedicated to the god Asclepius. Because there is one thing that set these temples to the god Asclepius apart from modern hospitals. If you had gone to one of these temples, you would have noticed one major difference between these ancient temples and our modern hospitals. And that is that in the ancient world, these temples that were dedicated to the god Asclepius were absolutely crawling with snakes, now somehow in the ancient world, people started to associate snakes and serpents with healing and medicine. Nobody knows exactly why people started making this connection. There are lots of theories. Some people think that maybe it's because of the way that snakes can shed their skin. And maybe people in the ancient world noticed that after a snake shed its skin, it seemed to be younger. It seemed to be rejuvenated. And so people started associating snakes with healing and rebirth. Other people think that maybe it's because in the ancient world people made lots of different kinds of medicine for various illnesses from the venom of snakes. Nobody really knows why in the ancient world people thought there was this connection between snakes and healing and medicine. But what we do know is that in the ancient world, These temples of Asclepius were positively crawling with snakes. You would have had to watch your step as you walked through the temple because everywhere there would have been snakes slithering around, willy-nilly going anywhere they wanted to, including in the dormitory where people were staying and sleeping as they were recovering from their illnesses. In the ancient world, snakes became associated with healing, and then healing was associated with the god Asclepius, And eventually over time, this symbol of the god Asclepius, a snake wrapped around a pole or a staff, became a symbol of medicine and healing. And it's been that way for thousands of years. Right down to modern times, this symbol, the staff, the rod of Asclepius, is a symbol that we recognize as a sign of medicine and healing. And so you might be thinking to yourself, okay, well that explains why there is in this Christian prayer chapel, the image of a symbol associated with a Greek pagan god, you might be thinking, all right, that solves the mystery. But wait, there's a twist. We're not done yet. Now There's a twist coming that the doctors and the nurses and the medical professionals in our congregation can probably see coming. And the twist is that this symbol, the symbol that we see in the prayer chapel here at Court Street, is not, in fact, the rod of Asclepius. Here's what the rod of Asclepius looks like. It's a single pole with just one serpent wrapped around it, not two. There's no wings at the top of the staff. This is what the rod of Asclepius looks like. This other symbol, the one that we find in the Court Street Prayer Chapel, is a completely different symbol devoted to a completely different Greek god from the ancient world. Now, this symbol is called a caduceus. And the caduceus is the symbol of the Greek god Hermes, the god of messengers and merchants. And because this symbol of the god Hermes looks so similar to the rod of Asclepius, for a long time, for hundreds of years, many people have mistakenly used this symbol to represent not, not messengers or merchants, but doctors and nurses and healers, including, it seems, the artist who designed the stained glass windows for our Court Street Prayer Chapel. Now We can hardly blame the artist for being confused or for making the, this mistake. Because it turns out when we start researching this image of a serpent wrapped around a staff, it turns out that the ancient world was filled, filled with images like this. In the ancient world thousands of years ago, many different cultures and many different religions used this symbol to represent one thing or another, including, as it turns out, the God of the Israelites. In scripture, we find a story That explains how it came to be that in the temple in Jerusalem, there was an image very similar to this one. The image of a serpent wrapped around a staff. Now Chris shared this story with us just a few moments ago. As we pick up this story in the book of Numbers today, we find the Israelites wandering through the wilderness. At this point in the story, God has led the Israelites out of slavery in the land of Egypt. And God and Moses are leading the Israelites to a new life in the promised land, but they're not there yet. And they've been walking for a long time, and their feet are tired. And as we pick up the story today, the Israelites have just been given some bad news. Moses has just broken it to the people that they are going to have to take a detour that will make their journey even longer. In between the Israelites and the promised land, there's a, a land called the land of Edom, And the Israelites have just learned that the king of Edom has refused to let the Israelites pass through his nation. And so instead of taking the shortcut through Edom, the Israelites have just learned that they are going to have to walk all the way around the entire land of Edom in order to get to the Promised Land. And when Moses shares this news with them, the people become grumpy and they start to grumble and complain. They complain against Moses And they complain against God, they say, why did you lead us all the way out here? Was it just so we could die of exhaustion somewhere in the wilderness? We would have been better off if you had just left us in slavery in the land of Egypt. And now here's the thing you need to understand. At this point in the story, Moses and God have heard an awful lot of complaining and grumbling from the Israelites. As we read the story in the Hebrew scriptures, it seems like that was just about all the Israelites did after they left slavery in the land of Egypt. They grumbled and complained every step of the way. As they were fleeing from Pharaoh and trying to escape from Egypt, they suddenly came to a place where there was a great big sea standing in their path. When they saw that sea, the Israelites grumbled and they said, God, why did you bring us out here? Was it just so we could die here on the beach? But God stepped in. God parted the waters of the sea. God rescued the people and they walked through the waters and came out on dry land. But then as they continued walking through the wilderness, the people became hungry. And so they grumbled again. They said, God, why did you bring us out here? Was it just so we could starve to death in the wilderness? But God stepped in. God gave the people the gift of miraculous bread that appeared on the ground of the wilderness every morning. All the people had to do was gather it up. But then the people got tired of the miraculous bread that God was giving them. And they grumbled again and they said, God, what we really want is some meat to eat. And so God sent a flock of quails flying into their camp. And the people were able to eat quail stew and roast quail and quail nuggets. But then when they'd had their fill of quail, the people became thirsty And they said, God, why did you bring us out here? Was it just so we could die of thirst in the desert? And so God made water flow out of the very rocks of the desert. And then, and then we come to this moment where the people are told that they have to walk around the land of Edom. And once again, they start complaining and grumbling against God and against Moses. And at this point in the story, God decides that enough is enough. I suppose that God could have stepped in and and given the people miraculous sandals that would have kept their feet from getting tired. But God, at this point in the story, decides to try a different approach. Instead of giving the people miracle sandals, what God does is God unleashes a plague of venomous serpents upon the Israelites. And the Bible literally calls these serpents fiery snakes. And that might be because of the way that they looked or it might be because of the way that people felt when they got bit by one of these snakes. A lot of people got bit by these serpents. A lot of people died. And to tell you the truth, I have a lot of mixed feelings about this story. I have a hard time understanding how God could unleash a plague of venomous serpents upon anybody, let alone God's own people. On the other hand, there's a part of me that is comforted and even a little bit encouraged to know that even God has days when God just loses patience with people. Even God has days when God says, I just can't with these people anymore. Now, However I feel about this story, it turns out that, that God's plan works. It's not long before the people come running back to Moses and the people say, Moses, we are so sorry. We are sorry that we complained against you. We are sorry that we grumbled against God. Please tell God how sorry we are. And please tell God to take away all of these terrible serpents. And so Moses talks to God. But God doesn't do what the people have requested. Instead, God gives Moses some instructions. God says, Moses, I want you to build me a serpent made of metal, made of brass or bronze, something that will reflect the light of the sun and shine for all the people to see. And when you've made that brass or bronze serpent, I want you to attach it to a great big pole. And when people get bit by these serpents, I want you to lift up that serpent. Lift up that snake on a pole and the people who gaze upon it, the people who turn back to me, the people who come to me and look upon this thing and follow my instructions will experience healing. And so Moses creates this metal serpent. He attaches it to a pole, maybe wraps it around the pole. And then the Israelites carry this thing all the way through the wilderness. They carry it all the way to the promised land. They carry it all the way to Jerusalem and eventually when they build a temple in Jerusalem they place this serpent on a pole there in the temple of Jerusalem as a way of helping people remember that there is healing for those who turn to God. That there is comfort, that there is mercy and forgiveness for those who turn away from their sins and follow God's instructions. Now this is not the end of the story either though. There's one more twist coming Now, this serpent stayed there in the temple for many hundreds of years, but it's only just mentioned a couple more times in the story of the Bible and the pages of Scripture. But one of those moments when the serpent gets mentioned happens immediately before what just might be the most famous and well-known verse in all of the Bible. In the New Testament, in John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus comes to visit Jesus. Nicodemus is curious. He wants to know who Jesus is, why Jesus has come into this world. And so in John chapter 3, Jesus and Nicodemus have this long theological conversation, but Nicodemus just can't keep up with Jesus. He just doesn't seem to understand what Jesus is trying to tell him. And so finally, Jesus says, it's like this. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness." so that everyone who looked upon it should live and not die. So I will be lifted up, that everyone who looks upon me and believes in me shall have eternal life. Those are the words of Jesus that we find in John 3.15. And then immediately after that, in what might be the most well-known and most memorized verse in all of the Bible, Jesus says this, For God so loved the world... He gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. When Jesus speaks those words, maybe the most famous words in all of the Bible, he is thinking of this snake wrapped around a pole that Moses lifted up in the desert, that the people carried through the wilderness, that was standing in the temple in the heart of God's city, Jerusalem. In that moment, Jesus is saying to anyone who would listen, to Nicodemus and to you and to me, there is healing for anyone who turns their eyes on me. Turn your eyes upon me, turn your thoughts upon me, turn your heart towards me. Turn away from your sin and turn to me and you will experience healing and mercy and newness of life. That's what the season of Lent is all about. The season of Lent is a time for us to reflect upon the ways in which we have grumbled against God, the ways in which we have failed to be thankful for God's gifts in our lives, the ways in which we have sinned against God. And Lent is a time for us to turn our eyes towards Jesus and to keep them there for 40 days so we might experience healing and newness of life. I love this image. I love this symbol here in the window in the Court Street Church Prayer Chapel. It might be the symbol of a pagan god. It might even be the symbol of the wrong pagan god. But to me, whenever I look in this window, this symbol will remind me that whenever I'm feeling snake bit, whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed and filled with the the poison and the venom of this world, all I have to do is turn my eyes on Jesus and I will be made well. Let's pray. God, help us to remember when this world lashes out, when we're feeling filled with poison, when we're feeling overwhelmed by things that we have done and things that others have done, help us to remember to turn our eyes, turn our thoughts, turn our hearts towards Jesus that we might be made well. In him we pray. Amen.